0: Welcome to The West Steps, a podcast from the Colorado Children's Campaign that explores issues that impact Colorado kids and families. I'm your host, Beza Tedes. Welcome to another episode of The West Steps. Um, this week, I figured we should talk money, and uh, Riley Kitts is the only person I trust to tell us uh, what's going on at this <laughs> <time>. <laughs> So Riley, for the two people who don't know you on the West Steps, can you quickly introduce yourself and then we'll jump into this conversation.
1: Yeah, thanks, Beza. Thanks for having me on this week. Uh, this is Riley Kitts, and I do government affairs for the Children's Campaign.
0: And the multiple guests of the West Steps.
1: Yes, I love being on this show. It's the only podcast I go on and listen to.
0: (laughs) Um, It's nice to say with that that last bit. Um, That's good to know. So um, you and I talked a little bit at the beginning of the season to talk about the legislative session and what the children's campaign priorities are. But um, the world is kind of on fire since then.
1: Yeah, wow. Uh,
0: (laughs) Do you want to give us a, a recap of what we missed?
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks for letting me on and see if I can think back to, you know, eight weeks ago when uh, things just seemed a lot more simple. So, uh, you know, eight, nine weeks ago, we were in the middle of the legislative session and uh, things were moving along as planned. And actually, uh, they're moving along for them to uh, have an end date of yesterday. Uh, The legislature was supposed to end on May 6th. Um, But instead, they have decided to pause the legislature. As we've talked about on these podcasts, um, and uh, have sh- set goals to reconvene in May uh, here in the next few weeks to try to get a few things done. So I think you know between when they paused in mid uh, mid March to now, a lot has happened, right? The world, like you said, Beza, has greatly changed. We're now in the middle of a pandemic, a public health crisis, and really, unfortunately, what comes along with these types of crises are economic downturns. And that's really what the state and the nation, the world is experiencing right now. You know, the economic downturn that's accompanied COVID. So Mm -hmm. to maybe put some context to that, every three months, there are updated revenue forecasts, updated economic forecasts that are delivered for the capital. Mm -hmm. Um, And back in December, when they got the economic forecast, looking at the next fiscal year, which starts in July... There was the notion that we would have more than $800 million in surplus that we could play with and direct towards a a number of priorities throughout the state. That was a great place for the state to be in, right? Money was still tight, but we at least still had surplus. We could continue to expand programs, serve more kids, serve more families, um, build up more programs, and that's completely taken a 180. And right now, the conventional wisdom is is that we're close to, if not more than $3 billion, $3 billion with a B, dollars in the hole. Okay. We should get an economic forecast um, next week. But right now, that's how things are looking, pretty dire straits.
0: Okay. So let me see if I understand that correctly. So before the pandemic hit, we had a surplus of money that we were going to use to um, direct to some new efforts and go we'll stop existing efforts. Because of the pandemic and the economic crisis as a result of it, we are $3 billion short.
1: That's correct. Yeah, that's correct. So we're going to get one of those uh, revenue forecasts on May 12th, where we should have a clearer picture of how much lost revenue the state is experiencing, how mm-hmm. much federal funds is coming down, uh, and how, how we can spend those, how we can direct those. And then what's really available on the table to actually get funded or to be cut. Um, But you're exactly right. We are in a completely different spot than we were um, even just four or five months ago.
0: So um, when does the legislator plan to come back? And when they do come back, and I know you've explained this to us before, there are some constitutional requirements they have to fulfill before the session ends on the calendar year. So, when do they come back? And when they do come back, what are the things that they have to complete by law?
1: Yeah, those are great questions. So, here, here's some dates that we've all been operating off of. So, a portion of the legislature is actually already back working, and that's the Joint Budget Committee, our state's budget writers. They're really the ones who set the budget every year. And it's a committee of six members, both Democrats and Republicans, three from the House and three from the Senate. Mm-hmm. And they have the unenviable and daunting task of having to propose a balanced state budget in the light of $3 billion in cuts. So they've been meeting since May 4th to go through what their nonpartisan staff have recommended for cuts. Oh my God. Uh, and it's, it's not fun to listen to. It's not fun to watch. It's not fun to read the recommendations because they're proposing cuts on programs that the Children's Campaign and our partners have worked on for years, if not decades. Right, yeah. We're talking about family planning, we're talking about cuts to K-12, we're talking about cuts to early childhood uh, services, we're talking about cuts to even health insurance coverage. And so they've had to start working through some of those to get a bill ready, the long bill or the state budget ready for when the legislature reconvenes. So mm-hmm. they're doing that work right now, even as we speak, having those conversations. Uh, folks can go ahead and watch the JBC, the Joint Budget Committee online, that's a new capability. We've never been able to watch that committee. You can watch online and you can see them going through this process. The meetings are not open to the public to attend physically in person, but you can listen online. Mm-hmm. So what they're going to do is go through these budget cuts, You know, get the revenue forecast, make even more budget cuts. And they have a goal right now to finalize the state budget or the long bill by the end of next week. And then to hopefully have the full legislature reconvene starting on May 18th, in which they need to work on the long bill and a few other bills. Now, you had mentioned what are some things they need to accomplish before they are done for the year, um, or more importantly, done by the end of the fiscal year, which is June 30th. There's Mm -hmm. a few things they need to do. They need to first off pass the state budget or the long bill. They need to pass a school finance act so that our 178 school districts and our more than 900,000 students throughout our school system all know how much money they have to operate on for the next school year. And then there's a handful of uh, sunset bills, programs that are set to repeal or not. They need authorization to continue. Those need to be done by the end of the fiscal year. So those are the things they have to do by the Constitution to get make sure we have a functioning state government moving forward. Um, and it's a daunting task. It's something I'm not envying them to have to do right now.
0: So um, you talked about some of the proposals that the Joint Budget Committee is talking about um, cutting because we are, you know, we will have a clear idea in a few days, but we are going to see um, some cuts. And what what does that cut look like? Is there... Um, is are we talking about just one area of um, the budget process, or are you expecting to see when the, the full legislators come back in a couple of weeks, we will also see some cuts to programs then?
1: Yeah, I'm, I imagine. So the, the legislature has the ability, all 100 members have the ability to work on the long bill, influence the long bill, amend the long bill. But that's typically, you know, in a regular session when the world is still normal. Right now, we're in uncharted territory. So right now, I think the what the Joint Budget Committee is going to do is they're going to make the cuts that they believe um, are the best route for the state to go. Unfortunate, as some of them may be, they're going to put forward their best effort and produce a balanced state budget to deliver to the legislature for a full vote. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that work is largely going to happen over the next week or so to really get that long bill. So I believe most of the cuts that we will see proposed will happen here over the next week. Now, the long bill still needs to be voted on by all 100 members and officially signed into law. And so yes, it could shift here over the next several weeks. You know, the legislature is really trying to get in and out of the Capitol. We're hearing in about two or three weeks to get all of that work done. So yes, it could shift some, but I believe we're gonna have, um, you know, what the Joint Budget Committee proposes is largely gonna be what needs to move forward. And it's not just one area of the budget, it's, it's across all areas. Um, and everything is currently on the table. Now, there have been some actions to date, um, especially around K-12, some things for the Medicaid program. Um, but they're also putting off a lot of items, first off, to get that updated revenue forecast, but to see if there's any alternatives to cutting programs that they care about, you know, programs like family planning. Right now, they've delayed any action on cutting that because the legislature, legislators really believe that family planning services are critical for the state. So far, they have not made any cuts to the children's health insurance program, but that's still on the table. But, you know, we have strong advocates who are pushing against that. And unfortunately, there's rumblings bubbling up around other things that, you know, we at the Children's Campaign especially care about things like the preschool program and even Mm -hmm. full day kindergarten. Um, everything is being put on the table no matter how hard it is to swallow uh, for a potential cut. And really what we need is strong advocacy from our organization and from other partners to let the legislature know, let the JVC know what's important to them, what kids and families need now, especially in a crisis more than ever. And it's probably not cutting back on the things that help provide health insurance coverage, especially in the middle of a health pandemic and it's probably not cutting back on helping families with work supports and school readiness like preschool and full day kindergarten. You know, we know for our economy to recover, we need a healthy, sustainable workforce and part of that's providing the work supports for families to make sure that their children are in quality settings receiving good instruction while their families and parents are at work.
0: Um so you talked you talked about, you know, what do kids need and and how do we make sure even in such um, dire circumstances, how we protect the, the needs of kids and families. Um, and I just, um, I'm just thinking about how complicated all of this is, and maybe you can give us some idea on what the, you know, the advocacy space looks like in terms of making sure that we are um, not jeopardizing some of the progress you've made in Colorado. So on, on top of what the children's campaign is um, advocating for, what are what are the, some issues that the listeners of the podcast may be interested in that other partner organizations are advocating for at this at this time?
1: That's a great question, Beza. I think here's the reality: cuts are gonna need to be, be made to programs that we even care about, right? That our partners care about. I think that we and our fellow community organizations and advocacy partners have a responsibility and a duty to put equity at the front of this conversation. We know that the folks, the children, the families who are already facing the most barriers to success will be the ones who are most impacted by this crisis, most impacted by the economic downturn, and will have the hardest uh, hill to climb in terms of recovering back to normal. And so what we need to do is to say, yes, there will be cuts, but we need to make sure that they're targeted. We need to make sure that we have our most vulnerable populations, um, those that are facing the most barriers um, at the forefront of this conversation to make sure that those folks are centered in the conversation Mm -hmm. and to try every available option to make sure that our cuts are targeted and equitable across the board. Um, And that just looks different for every program area, right? I think maintaining CHIP access for our uh, low to moderate income families is critical, right? We need children's health insurance. Um, I think that as long as we are, as advocates, continuing to push this equity movement, Mm -hmm. the equity movement is important now more than ever. And so I think that is our goal. Now, I don't exactly have the right answers to say cut here and don't cut here. But I think what we can all do is to make sure that we're centering those who are going to be most impacted, who were already most impacted, and make sure that our policymakers have those people on the front of their minds as they're going through this daunting
0: task. Um, I think, you know, as we think about how do we make this a very painful and complicated conversation, less painful. I, I don't think it's going to be a comfortable situation for anybody for a long time. And I wonder if you can talk a little bit about what, not just the 2020 legislative session, but what does the 2021 legislative session is looking like? I think, um, I don't know, maybe, you know, m- maybe I'm not as optimistic as you might be, but I don't know if we can come out of this, both the pandemic, the health crisis and the economic crisis as quickly as the legislative session 2021 so what does that conversation look like
1: yeah another great question Beza so once again uncharted territory right we as a country as a world as a state we don't we're still kind of feeling around in the dark and we're trying to get as knowledgeable as quickly as we can I think folks need to first off be ready that uh, budgetary cuts public investment Uh, will need to be low for several years, right? Our economy probably just doesn't rebound, especially in our state with our various tax structures, how we generate revenue or can't generate revenue. I think that we need to be prepared. This uh, revenue forecast, this lower than expected revenue will last for several years. And so we need to be mindful of that and try to make sure we're maintaining programs that are helping those that face the most barriers. But I, I do have a wrinkle of op, um, optimism in this. And that's because this crisis has exposed system gaps and failures that have existed for years um, in tremendous ways, right? We're seeing them more acutely now than ever. And so what I am confident in is that we can hopefully come out of this with tremendous proposals and momentum for wider systems change. We can hopefully come out of this knowing that we need health insurance coverage for everyone, especially those that face the most barriers and don't make enough money to afford the coverage in our state. We know that we need paid family leave. That's been exposed tremendously here, right? We need paid family medical sick leave. And there's a ballot measure that's moving forward. We're seeing some of these systems conversations start to happen. So I guess I don't have exact concrete, every little nuance right now, Beza, but I do believe that this is going to help momentum for larger systems change. And I am confident that while it might be slow going and a hard hill to climb, that ultimately we know we will recover. We know our state will continue to move forward. And I'm hoping that we're going to be coming out of this uh, working towards a better place than we came into it.
0: Yeah. Um, I think that leads me to my uh, next conversation. It's, you know, we have 2020 is a big election year, despite the fact that the, you know, the world is on fire, um, you know, the show must go on. Um, I was wondering if you can talk a little bit about some of the things that we know would be on the ballot that people can keep an eye on that would help address some of the structural things you just talked about that. I think the pandemic you're right has exposed a lot of the, um, breaks in our system and how, um, They are not equally distributed. So can you talk to us a little
1: bit about that? Yeah, it's going to be a big election year, right? We have president on the ballot. We have a senatorial race um, in Colorado. We have all the congressional seats up. We have full House of Representatives at the state level up, a handful of senators, state senators up. We're going to see local ballot measures and we're going to see a lot of state ballot measures. Now, the children's campaign is still delving through a lot of the policies on this and have not taken formal stances on anything, but I'm happy to at least let you all know what we believe will be coming uh, for the legislature. First thing is a proposal around Fair Tax Colorado, and it really has to do, how do we generate um, revenue in our state in a, in a more equitable fashion? Right now, we have a flat income tax rate um, across the state, and the proposal that's being pushed uh, to get on the ballot has to do with more of a progressive income tax structure um, with the goal of providing more educate more funding for our education system and our general fund because right now we're cutting billions of dollars and we don't have anything to backfill it with so I think oh. that's a proposal another one that uh, we've just heard will be moving towards the ballot will be around uh, paid family and medical sick leave um You know there has been efforts at the legislature for years and years and years to get that accomplished, and unfortunately, it's just not going to work, and it's not going to work when the legislature reconvenes. So proponents have shifted to more of a ballot structure because paid family medical leave polls very well, and we believe that there uh, the proponents believe that there is a way to get this on the ballot and to hopefully pass um, a social insurance state-run family leave model. So that's on the table. Another one that we're closely watching is around anything having to do with pre-K expansion, Um, right? There's uh, proposals currently in the works around uh, tobacco and nicotine tax to expand preschool. And it just goes back to we need kids who are, uh, you know, we need to have our kids ready for kindergarten, ready for school. And we need to provide parents with a work support, especially as we are coming out of this economic crisis. Uh, Those are three proposals I know we're really going to be watching heavily and hopefully taking a stance one way or another on. Um, and I think that's something that the, the general public should be ready to engage on as well.
0: Yeah, yeah. So um, I think as we wrap up here, I um, I always want to think about how people can exercise their voice. And this is still a democracy and you can still call your elected officials even if you can't get to the state capitol. Um, I was wondering how... People who are struggling a lot right with a lot right now can make their voices heard with the um, JBC and can keep up with what's happening and really communicate what's important with their in their communities. How can people do that?
1: Yeah, great question. So a few opportunities. One, the Children's Campaign is working on a more comprehensive statement that encompasses. Uh, several options to put on the table, our stance on certain budget cuts being proposed, some proactive measures we believe should be taken, and we're working to make sure we're putting out a statement here that folks uh, feel free to use, you know, once that goes out. We're hopefully to get that out early next week. It won't really be a sign-on opportunity, but I think it, it's good messaging for folks to use, so please take a look at that. Um, numerous tables that we sit at, and I know a lot of the partners here sitting at, are putting out sign-on letters uh, towards the legislature and JBC. So I encourage that, right? Um, a lot of programs are on the table are being cut in every different sector, whether it, you deal with children and families or roads and bridges, everyone's making their case for why their program is important. So I wouldn't feel that folks should hesitate um, or be cautious about reaching out to their elected officials with sign-on letters, with advocacy letters, with emails, phone calls. Um, I think that's really the best way to go. And you can find all their contact information on the General Assembly web- website. Which is uh, ledge.colorado.gov, L E G.colorado.gov. It has all the legislators' contact information, their phone numbers, their emails. And I think it's time to raise up our voices and to put equity at the front of this conversation. As I know so many people who listen to this conversation, this podcast care about, I believe it's important to raise that up right now. And right now, the time is just to get on that website and to start uh, communicating with your elected officials. Um, I think that's the best way to do it right now. And then to be on the look for advocacy organizations such as the Children's Campaign and other partners who are putting out communications and sign-ons and to get your organization and your voice attached to those as well.
0: Yeah, and I think those are really good um, ways to get involved. And I think by now, listeners are sick of hearing me say this, but... um, I think pick an issue that you care about. I think there are a lot of things that are on the table, as Riley said, and that are, you know, we want to see protected, but it can get overwhelming and exhausting really quickly. If you care about uh, the ballot measures, pick that. But if you care about full day kindergarten, pick that. And I think choose the issue that you are most passionate about that you think makes the biggest impact for your community and for Colorado kids. And work on that, I think, is the best um, advice I've gotten that I try to repeat on this podcast over and over again. But I think, you know, you can look at the world around you and it could feel very overwhelming. But if you pick something that you're passionate about and channel that energy, I think um, we're all better off for it.
1: Couldn't thank agree more.
0: You so much, Riley, for making the time for us. Um, I know you're going to come back in a few weeks when the the full legislator con- reconvenes again to give us an update on this. But thank you for your time. Thank you, Beza. All right. I'll talk to you very soon. I have one of my colleagues to help me with uh, some ads. Previous guests of the West Steps, Steph. That's me. (laughs) Who's our sponsor this week?
1: Support for this episode is provided by Effect, a Denver-based digital agency that helps campaigns win elections. Effect supports outstanding candidates and initiatives that are focused on winning their election in order to positively transform communities. Learn more at EFFCT.org.
0: You want to say that last part again? Where dot can people O-R- go? <laughs> E-F-F-C-T dot O-R-G. That's effect.org. Thank you, Steph. Thank you.
1: The West Steps is a production of the Colorado
0: Children's Campaign. to learn- it,
1: I think it's an award-winning production, or it should <laughs> be an
0: award at this point. Great great uh, correction there. You're absolutely <laughs> right. We need
1: to modify that. Um, to learn more about this award-winning production, please visit our website at coloradokids.org.